Well, this morning I'd like to look at uh, several stories from the Gospel of John. So if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, we'll look at this together. This morning I want to look at a, per- a person who was somewhat overlooked in a prominent ministry. Have you ever been overlooked in life? Maybe it was at work. Or maybe it was at school being picked for sports. Maybe it's even in ministry. But when we have that, sometimes it's difficult to reconcile that in our heart. If I were to ask you, name some of the apostles, the 12 apostles, name some of those apostles that are in the Bible. Peter's name would come up. And of course, James and John, the sons of thunder, they'd come up. Uh, Matthew, who wrote one of the Gospels, his name might come up. We think of Thomas the Doubter. And then, of course, there's Judas Iscariot. Uh, his name would probably come up, too, even though he was kind of the even, evil villain of that at all. But, you know, if, if, if I were to ask you some of the names and you would give those to me, the, the guy that I want to look at this morning, his main name may not come up right away. It may not even come up at all. And his name is Andrew. I want to look at the example of Andrew here this morning. If you're taking notes, that's the title of the message, the example of Andrew. Andrew was just an ordinary, common guy, just like many of us here today. It was Abraham Lincoln who said that God must really love the common people because he made so many of them. But Andrew, he was behind the scenes. He was humble, but he was faithful. And that may maybe describe some of us here this morning as well. So in our time together, I want us to consider three vignettes, three scenarios in the Gospel of John that help us to get a better insight into the ordinary yet faithful man named Andrew. So our first story is found in, in John chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35, where we read this. The following day, John, the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples, and Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw those two disciples following him, and what do you want, Jesus asked them. They replied, answering Jesus' question with a question, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Father, as we've gathered here this morning to hear from you, God, we're thankful for your word that is, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern between the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So we ask, God, that you would minister to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I am desperately dependent upon you to be our teacher here today. So fill us all with the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we all might have ears to hear what you want to say specifically to each and every one of us. Bless our time of study this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, if you're taking notes, our first point this morning is Andrew brought himself to Jesus. His example was that he brought himself to Jesus. 
Andrew was the first disciple to follow Jesus. He'd heard of Jesus, he, he saw him, and then he just simply followed him. And we have that example of us today. We, we've heard about Jesus. We've understood the, the fact that we are sinners and need a Savior. And Jesus is so wonderful and lovely and compassionate. And the fact that he wants to save us, we then too follow after him. This is an interesting and important distinction. and shouldn't be so easily overlooked. Because Andrew here was the first disciple to call Jesus the Messiah. And that's in verse 41. We'll get there in a moment. But however, of that distinction, Andrew is never really thrust in the limelight. We never see Andrew as the top guy. For example, when, whenever you read a list of the disciples, it's always Peter first. Peter, James, and John most of the time. It's that way in the book of Acts, through the Gospels. And even though Andrew was the first disciple to follow Jesus, his name isn't mentioned that way. And it's likely that Andrew was Peter's older brother. I wonder if Andrew ever got tired of being Simon Peter's brother, always being referred to that, never referring to as Andrew. They're at a party. They're talking, discussing, and, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name is Andrew. Oh, Andrew, nice to meet you. And they're talking back and forth, and someone comes up and interrupts Andrew. Hey, Andrew, your brother Simon Peter wants to talk to you. Oh, you're that Andrew. You know, he's always in the, the shadow of his brother. And perhaps you, you look around the church today and you envy the fact that this person teaches the Bible, or that person does worship, or another person leads a particular ministry. And sometimes those who've been around for a long time are overlooked for those who've been over maybe even lesser of a time. They, they labor faithfully in the background, much like Andrew. And perhaps we even ask ourselves, why? God, why am I being overlooked here? But it really boils down to this. It's just simply the providence of God. You see, God doesn't work by seniority. He works by sovereignty, that he is in control. Listen to Psalm 75, verse 6. Exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He sets one down. He lifts another up. The vast majority of us as Christians are the Andrews or the Phillips, or the Nathaniels, those lesser apostles, rather than Peter, James, and John. And we should be okay with that. Because I believe one of Andrew's greatest strengths that he had was his ability to recognize the gifts that God has given to him and then use them for God's glory. He wasn't jealous of other people's gifts. He was excited that Peter, James, and John were in the forefront of what God was doing. God was using him as well. You know, Andrew never preached like Peter, or wrote a gospel like Matthew, or traveled like Paul, or held an office like James, or was even a, a great thinker like John. The most faithful and fruitful believers are generally those who recognize what their gifts are and what they're not, and then they minister accordingly. And conversely, those people who oftentimes find themselves struggling are, are those folks who may not be doing exactly what God wants them to do in the first place. I believe we all have natural gifts, gifts that God has given to us, natural abilities. But we also, as Christians, we've been given spiritual gifts. So there's natural abilities given to us by God and spiritual gifts given to us by God. And God desires for using those all for his glory. I was uh, looking, when I was in the parking lot, uh, there was Ray there parking cars 
And then when I went up into the children's ministry to kind of look things over there, there was Jen in the fourth grade class just ministering to the children. Each thing that's done in the name of the Lord is just as important as Pastor Ted coming to the pulpit every Sunday morning, except for this Sunday morning, and uh, preaching and teaching God's word. Everyone has a role, and every one of them is important in God's eyes. It's been said before that faithfulness knows no difference between small and great duties. Now let's look here at what Andrew was especially gifted at in verse 41. We continue reading. It says, Andrew went to find his brother, Simon Peter, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon Peter to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So originally, Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, But when Jesus arrived on the scene, John pointed him towards Jesus, saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. Andrew willingly went. John the Baptist was grateful that he went, because John was just simply one, a voice crying out in the wilderness. He knew what his role and responsibility was. And so now Andrew was following Jesus. We look at verse 36. John the Baptist simply declared to Andrew and the other disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God. Then in verse 37, we read that those two disciples who were Andrew and John, they spoke with Jesus. So Andrew was never formally introduced to Jesus. He simply went up to Jesus and introduced himself. So the first person that Andrew ever brought to Jesus was himself. But now that Andrew had begun to follow Jesus, he immediately goes out and finds his brother, someone he loved greatly, and then he introduces him to Jesus. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it should be our desire to then introduce other people to Jesus Christ. We have so much to offer in the sense of what God has done for us. We should be willingly and wanting to tell others about the gift of salvation through Christ alone. It's a gift that God's given to us. We should share that gift with others. And I know many of you are. But not only was Andrew the first disciple to follow Jesus, But he was also the first disciple to bring someone else to Jesus. Which brings us to our second point this morning. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. So not only did he bring himself to Jesus, he brought his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. Now, I know that it's not easy for some people to share their faith. It becomes very challenging at times, especially to family members. Why is it that family members seem to be the, the toughest ones to reach? but yet God has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The fact is that we are in good company. When our our family members don't necessarily listen to us, we're in good company because even Jesus' own family didn't listen to him. In chapter 7 of this gospel, we read that that Jesus' brothers didn't even believe him. So when it comes to sharing our faith, we need to remember that we're not a, a salesman trying to sell a product. We're rather, we're introducing people to Jesus. There's a big difference. We're not here to, to notch little swords on our Bible showing how many people we've brought to faith in Jesus. No, we are introducing people to a wonderful, loving, compassionate, sacrificial Savior. Andrew was faithful to produce, introduce Peter to Jesus. We, in turn, must be faithful to introduce people to Jesus as well. Simon Peter, the great evangelist and preacher, Simon Peter, the great missionary leader who helped establish churches. Simon Peter, the author of two New Testament epistles. Simon Peter, who was brought to Jesus 
by his brother, Andrew. It was Peter Marshall who once said, there would have been no power, powerful Peter at Pentecost had there been no humble Andrew to bring him to Jesus. We know that Peter in his ministry brought many to Jesus. Andrew simply brought his brother to Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, we read that Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 people were saved. Thank God for Andrew and his faithfulness. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. He once brought a young man named D.L. Moody to faith in his uncle's shoe store there in Boston. However, though it was D.L. Moody then who preached the gospel to over 100 million people. There was a a fiery evangelist named Mordecai Ham who preached the gospel to a a small number of people in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And only a handful of people received Christ that day. However, one of those converts was a a tall, skinny, 16-year-old teenager named Billy Graham, who then led hundreds of million people to faith in Christ. In the the late 60s, early 70s, there was a long-haired, born-again, hippie preacher named Lonnie Frisbee, who spoke to young people on high school campuses there in Orange County and at church called Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa during the Jesus movement. And a lost high school student named Greg Laurie came to faith on his high school campus, who is now in his 45th year of preaching uh, the gospel uh, at a church faithfully there in Riverside, and also in our 29th year at the Harvest Crusade in Southern California. Thank God for the Edward Kimballs, the Mordecai Hams, the Lonnie Frisbees, and the Andrews. Well, let's move to our next scenario of Andrew's example. Please turn with me to John chapter 6. And we're going to look at a very familiar story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, in this scenario, we know if you were here for Pastor Ted's teaching, he's going through the Gospel of Luke. And he addressed this topic of the feeding of the 5,000. That was in the Gospel of Luke. But in the Gospel of John, it gives us a little bit more detail there I want to bring out here this morning. So let's pick up our story in verse 5 of John chapter 6. Jesus soon, soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? We see here in this example four reactions to the challenge of feeding so many people. First, we see Christ's reaction. He was compassionate. We have all these people here. What are we going to do? They're all hungry. Secondly, we see the reaction of the disciples was to send them all away. They're hungry. Let them go back to their homes. Another reaction was from Philip. He said that basically it all boiled down to finances. God, Jesus, we don't have enough money. We'd have to have months and months of, of, of you know, wages in order to even buy enough to feed this group. But then we see Andrew's reaction, who's once again referred to here as Simon Peter's brother. He says in verse 9, there's a young boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they with so many? Now, even though Andrew's reaction was mixed with both faith and doubt, there's a couple of things worth noting here. First of all, Andrew doesn't have a solution, but at least he had a suggestion. 
His response to that was at least better than those who wanted to send the people away. Andrew doesn't have the answer, but he does have a good attitude of genuine compassion and concern for the people. Our third example of Andrew this morning is Andrew brought a young boy to Jesus. Andrew brought a young boy to Jesus. So he brought himself to Jesus. He brought his brother to Jesus. And now he brings this young boy to Jesus. We see a pattern here, don't we? But it wasn't Peter who introduced this boy to Jesus. It was Andrew. In fact, Peter's not even mentioned having been in this miracle at all. But Andrew doesn't seem to have done much. Just introducing a young boy to Jesus but he did what he could. And in the end, it made all the difference. What an example he is. So faithful to invite people to meet Jesus. And because of what Andrew did, Jesus was able to take that young boy's lunch and multiply it into enough food for feeding, as Pastor Ted pointed out, upwards of 15,000 people, including women and children. It's amazing to see what God can do with so little. So this morning, you might be thinking, well, what can God do with me? I don't have much to offer. Maybe you don't feel like you have a lot to offer, but let me tell you this. Whatever we have to offer, we offer to Jesus. Several weeks ago, I was doing an in-home visit to a man in our church. They've been attending our church for for decades, and uh, he had uh, been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And it got to be so bad that he was then now home uh, bedridden. And he he asked me, Brad, what can I do at this point? Well, you can pray, you can pray for others, and that's exactly what he did. He took our prayer cards that we have, that we write our prayer requests down, and people hand them in. We gave him stacks of those, and he would just pray over them, pray over them. And he did that till the very day that the Lord took him home. So we think, well, what can God do with me? I have so little. God can do a lot with you. Be faithful, and he will show you exactly what to do. Well, let's take a look at our last scenario this morning. Please forward again to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse 20. John, chapter 12, verse 20. There's nothing better than hearing the rustling of Bible pages. Chapter 12, verse 20. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. And then Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Now, here in this story, we see some Greeks who were Gentiles, probably non-Jewish folks. They wanted to meet Jesus. And so they approached one of Christ's disciples, Philip. And what does Philip do? He turns them to Andrew because he knows Andrew's the guy that introduces everybody to Jesus. So they brought them to Jesus together. Our last point this morning of Andrew's example is this. Andrew brought strangers to Jesus. And whenever we see Andrew in the gospel, he's always with someone. He was the friendly guy. He used those friendships to bring people to Jesus. And it seems as whenever we read about him, he is busy introducing and bringing people to the one he loved so much, his Lord and Savior, Jesus. So he first introduced himself to Jesus. He introduced his brother. He introduced this young boy. And now we see strangers being introduced by one man. Andrew may have not been famous, but he certainly was faithful. As C.H. Spurgeon once said, there's no end to what God can do with a person who doesn't care who gets the credit. That was Andrew. 
One thing I admire about him is his humility. He's first talked about and considered as Simon Peter's brother, but we never ever hear him complaining about that. A lesser man than Andrew would have, would have resented that. He would have went to the Lord and said, Jesus, I got a problem. I was the first disciple. I was the first one you called, and I, and I came after you. And then, th- then I brought Peter, and then there's James and John. Why is it always Peter, James, and John? Why isn't it me? How come I don't get involved in that inner circle of your, of your closest apostles? We never read that. He would just simply, I'm going to do what I can do for the glory of God and for the good of his people. That was Andrew. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about prestige. It was just simply presenting people to Jesus. Wonderful example is given to us. As we conclude this morning, in some of Jesus' final words to us before the ascension, after the resurrection, was what we call the Great Commission. And this is what it says. Jesus says himself, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is known as the Great Commission. It's not known as the Great Suggestion. We are commanded by God to do these things. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's what we want to do, and that's what we should be doing for his glory. So as we close today, I'd like to to put application to Andrew's example and challenge us all to be like him, at the same time obeying Jesus' commandment to us. Because from the very moment Andrew became that first disciple of Jesus until that final moment when he took his last breath here on earth and his next breath was in heaven, his ministry consisted of bringing people to Jesus. Proverbs 11.30 reminds us that the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. Andrew, what a great example, bringing all these people to Jesus. And again, the first point that we, we, we started with was that Andrew brought himself to Jesus. You see, we cannot do these things in, unless we have first been brought to Jesus. These principles are not for non-believers. They're for the church, or for believers who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We must be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. May I ask you a very important question here this morning? Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Have you received the forgiveness of your sins? Have you received that that gift of salvation that was given to everyone when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden, I will give rest to your soul. That is through the the fact of the gift of God of being salvation. We're going to partake of communion in just a few moments. And as you can see, we have tables set up, two in the front here and two in the back. And we do that to commemorate what Christ has done for us. It's remembering what Jesus did for us. It was a sacrifice that he gave to each and every one of us. That he came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died a a sacrificial death on the cross, a death that you and I deserve because of our sin. He was buried, but he rose again on the third day 
to prove to us that he alone is God and that he willingly laid down his life for us. Because the fact of the matter is that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And we need someone to save us from our sins. And Jesus did just that on the cross. That is what we remember at communion. So if you've never received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, if you never trusted him to, to ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior, we would ask for you not to partake of those elements. Because as the Bible says, when we do that, we make a mockery of what's being done, been done for us if we've not been saved, if we're not a Christian. So what we'd say is, please do not partake of those elements. But can I tell you there's a better solution to that? Come to faith in Christ today. Know that Jesus loves you and a plan and purpose for your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in, in just a moment. But, but before we do that, I, I want to remind you that we have an event every year uh, at, at Anaheim Stadium, Angel Stadium. It's called the Southern California Harvest Crusade. How many of you have heard of the SoCal Harvest Crusade? Okay, quite a few of you. Some of you have not. Uh, this is going to be our 29th year in the same exact location, Anaheim Stadium. This is what we've heard is it's never been done this before. In fact, 29 years in the same exact location. And so we're, we're blessed that we can partner with great churches like Reliance and Pastor Ted's commitment to, to pr promoting the crusade and, and being a part of it. I want to show you, for those of you who've never seen uh, a crusade and what happens at a crusade, I want to show you a video that kind of describes what happens at a crusade, but more importantly, a story of what happens at a crusade. So we're going to run that video for you right now. Things in the world to begin to get involved with drugs and alcohol. But we continued praying for her and taking her to those things. And then a year later, her very best friend committed suicide. That sent my daughter deeper into more depression. This went on for five years of her leading a very high risk lifestyle. She didn't care if she lived or not. It was five years of agony. And it got to a point where I thought she was at a point of no return. Not that God wasn't able, but that she didn't want it. We were staying involved in church. 
harvest America was coming to Dallas. My pastor Bill asked me if I'd like to be involved and help with that. During the crusade, we brought my daughter. Uh, she was a little reluctant to go, but we brought her anyway. At the end of the harvest, after uh, professions of faith were made, my job really at the time was to provide Bibles to those who were giving their lives to Christ. There were people down there meeting people in prayer, and so I wanted to make sure there was public Bibles and do a lot of running around. Then afterwards, when that was over, I saw an opportunity to help collect the boxes that were all around the field and the same cards that were left there by people. And we bring them to a sorting room, and this room was enormous, it was huge, there was tables everywhere, and boxes and cards were getting dropped off, and people were sorted on my zip code so they could contact the people who made decisions for Christ. As I was leaving one time, I walked by the table, and I just happened to look down, and right as I did, a car turned over. I had my daughter's name on it. And I just stopped because God told me then that we have She's restored to the Lord Jesus Christ. She loves the Lord. She seeks to walk righteously. All the relationships in our family have been restored. She had hopes and dreams of a future. It's been a long road, but it's amazing how God is always there. And I know if you're out there and you're struggling, the Lord sees you. The Lord loves you. Amen. What a great story and just one of many that uh, happened at the crusade. And so our uh, plea for you here today at Reliance Church is fourfold. That's the first thing you can do is pray. Pray for the crusade and the many facets and aspects of it. Pray who God wants you to invite and bring to the crusade. Uh, I don't know if, if you've ever been on the field uh, when you see these people just streaming down on the field, it's just such a holy moment. It's so, so awe-inspiring to see people's lives being changed at that time. And so the first thing we're asking people to do is just simply pray and asking them to really petition the Lord to, to pour out his, his blessing upon uh, this event in just every facet that you can even imagine for Pastor Greg and his health and for the messages and for the technical part of it. Of course, the most important thing is bringing these people who don't know the Lord to Jesus Christ. And so again, we've been so grateful for Alliance Church and the, the involvement that you have all participated in the Crusades. Because we're not asking one person to do everything. We're asking everyone to do something. Because everybody can do at least something. We can all pray. The next thing we can do is we invite. Uh, we have these invitations for you. You've been probably seeing him, them here. But we also have a, a table outside as you exit to the right. And uh, my son Brad is out there. And uh, we have these invite. And these are great to use. You just simply, you know, take them wherever you go. I put a stack in my back pocket. And then when I go to the grocery store, I'm handing them out. Hey, I'd like to, to you know, invite you to a free event. And I've not had one person yet um, not take it. Now, they may have taken it and thrown it away. I don't know. But at least I'm doing my part to invite them. And uh, when you're you know, going to a doctor's appointment or going to school or, or going to a restaurant, stick it in you know, the bill as you get it. Make sure you leave a generous tip. 
because we don't want to be cheap Christians, and, uh, and give that to them as well. And it's just, it's an easy way to do it. I'm not very good at, at, at preaching the gospel to people. Here's a great way to break the ice for people. So we have a lot of these in the back. You take as many as you think that you can use. We have a couple of thousand, so please feel free to take those. The next thing we do, so we pray, we invite, we bring. Invite those people and then ask them to come and bring them with you to the crusade. And it's a free event. Uh, it, you know, may cost you a dinner, and that's okay too. Um, and that'll be a, a great thing for you to be able to be there with your loved one, your friend, your family member, your coworker, whomever. And then you bring them out. And the last thing we're asking people to do is serve. We need a lot of people on the field counseling people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. You might think, I can't do that. You can you can. We have a, a great way of, of allowing you to do that. We have a screen that t- shows you how to do that. If we put it up there, Waylon, and it's, it's, our, it's our serve screen. And you simply text the word serve, S-E-R-V-E, to that number, 951-386-2255. And uh, we'll get that up for you. But, but we all got a card when you came in this morning. And uh, this simply fill this out as well, and you can give that to, to Brad at that table, and, and we'll get you plugged into uh, doing some serving there at the crusade. 